Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, we're joined by our friend and area game king, Sean Sands. Hello. We also welcome, for the first time, Kotaku News Editor and resident StarCraft correspondent, Jason Schreier. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to have you. Uh, And, yeah, thanks for joining me. And I think the last time we were all together was when we were on that sports versus dorks panel at PAX East that Greg Tito put together. God, that's right. Yes. That's Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's great to get back together for something, I think, on the dorkier end uh, of that spectrum. <laughs> uh, StarCraft II Legacy of the Void. I don't think we've talked about another RTS on this show as much as we've talked about StarCraft II. And I'm not sure my feelings have ever evolved towards a game or a series as much as they've evolved around StarCraft II. Uh, so let's do some stage setting here. Where have you ended up in your relationship with StarCraft II after all of these years? And, like, what did you want from Legacy coming into it? What I really wanted from Legacy at this point, like, I, I don't, you know, I, I know there's that kind of whole multiplayer refinement, but I think that's been, uh, while there have been ups and downs and balance adjustments, it's been a relatively constant thread as far as, you know, how invested I am in that, how much I want to get out of it. There's there's not a lot of evolution for my play style there. There's tons of evolution to be had in just developing the StarCraft II multiplayer scene, the esports side of things. But but just for like my enjoyment, um, there wasn't a lot there. So I was really interested in some of the additional stuff coming in. You know, for one, obviously, while it's not Shakespeare, I did want to kind of see how the whole sort of trilogy resolved itself in the campaign. And I I will tell you, I'm actually still, I'm pretty far into the campaign, but I'm, I I haven't completed it yet. Uh, Because the other thing I wanted was all the little extra stuff. Like I, I I wanted to see how co-op in particular uh, panned out. I wanted to, you know, kind of play a little bit um, with Archon mode and some of these additional kind of modes and elements and, and toys that, that really are in Legacy of the Void, really not that that weren't in there in the same way in in um, in, in Heart of the Swarm. Um, that's what I really wanted to get out of it is just see what else they can do because as they're setting this stage and this idea for StarCraft kind of post Legacy, having things like these you know additional co op missions and the the Nova the kind of mini Nova campaign they're planning out, um, like that's the stuff I wanted to see. How do they do it? That stuff. Yeah, I've been playing StarCraft since the. OG days. So uh, I also wanted to see all that stuff and and the table setting they're doing for the future. But I I was really interested in seeing how they're finishing this story that they started in 19 and friggin 1998. Uh, That's like, what, 17 years ago? We are all really old. In other words. (laughs) Well, yeah, this, this has been like playing that campaign definitely is like, oh, my God, like this is something I remember caring about this stuff. Like some of the, some character shows up. There's there's a character that shows up in the protest campaign that oh, is yeah. a surprise. But it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, that guy. Like I haven't <laughs> thought I remember you like I was I was like in, in middle school, man. Like how you been? <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 it's been like I've been really enjoying the campaign i think more than the previous two because it does i mean it does have that kind of you know that 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 rolling thunder component of like a return of the king or something like that where yeah everything's coming together all these things that have had you know the stage set over a long period of time um you know it's 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 not flawless by any means but it's really fun to kind of be you know tearing through the last few chapters of this particular (laughs) book 
it's funny. So neither of you have finished the campaign at all, right? Yes. Yeah, I I'm haven't. pretty. I'm pretty deep into the campaign, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm about to secure. I think my last ally before the final fight. Uh, so I, I gather. I gather it does not end in the most yeah. satisfying <laughs> of. Fa- is it, let me ask you: Is it an unsatisfying ending, or is it a nar- just a narratively incompetent ending? <laughs> well, have you guys read Harry Potter? Yeah. yeah. So you know the epilogue of Harry Potter. Yep. Yeah. How how it kind of is just like this fan fiction tacked on ending that like. Oh please. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, that's kind of what happens here in that the main campaign. I mean, so coming into StarCraft two, like Wings Liberty, Heart of the Storm, both of those were so like cheesy and cheesy in a delightful way, mm-hmm. but also so cheesy and like it kind of evolved from this story about races struggling against each other to a love story between Rainer and Kerrigan and uh. I guess this is kind of the natural course of that. But then the legacy of the Void campaign is interesting in a lot of ways. It's kind of dry and stuffy in the way that the Protoss are. But it's also interesting in that it brings back the kind of struggles between different factions and races. And then the epilogue comes along. And, well, I won't spoil anything for you guys. But, um, yeah, if if <laughs> it's, it's very much like the Harry Potter epilogue. <laughs> I might actually be okay with that, is the sad thing. I might be like, yeah, just give me my fan fiction, man. Like, absolutely, let me find out, like, what's happening to these people years later. So I'm, I'm kind of now looking forward to that in, 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 a, in a really nerdy way. Uh, but I, I Yeah, think... I'm looking forward to hearing what you think of it. Yeah. <laughs> you probably will. Uh, I, God, I hope it doesn't suck as much as people say. But the, the problem is what doesn't give me confidence is, um, like you said, you called it out. This is a campaign about the Protoss, and they're not they're no fun, man. Mm. <laughs> like like you know, the, the return of the king thing you, you, you called out early earlier, Sean, is absolutely true. This is the game that's written in the voice of Return of the King. And actually maybe more the appendices of Return of the King. Like everybody just like declaims every line like they have one reading like just people are just proclaiming everything like you know i, I was joking around with rowan kaiser on uh, i am the other day uh like trying to imagine like just everyday conversations uh between protoss <laughs> right like brothers you must go to the 7-eleven on the Kuprulu sector and get me the menthols the prophecy foretold no it's i like... said a regular coke not a diet coke May- <laughs> amon cursed your name Pass the potatoes for IR. Yeah, it's just it's it's just not it's just kind of unending. And occasionally, characters sort of puncture that air of like pompousness around around the Protoss. But by and large, you're you're all all dealing with Protoss talking to other Protoss, and it's just all these these speeches. And then there is the fact that, and, and I, I like this in, in in your review, Jason. You, you talked about these characters used to have an element of nuance, and something I liked about the original StarCraft is that you eventually had all these heroes who were kind of on the same side, but often working at really crossed purposes. And now the entire thing is just this giant run up to dealing with a character. I frankly don't care about uh, right. your, the entire game is driven by this battle against Amon, who, who's basically like the Lucifer of, of the Protoss mythology, who is just a concept that's been introduced in StarCraft two. Yeah. And, and not, not, fully like i mean it isn't till you really get to the end of you know heart of the swarm that you're like oh it's not really that conflict anymore i mean you it's, it's being set up the whole time with the zaratul conversations and you know kerrigan and everything like that the but, prophecy 
Yeah, exactly. But it, it, it's like most of the time when somebody introduces a prophecy in the story, it is the thing I care about the least and really just because it's it's such a MacGuffin in many cases. And, and the, the thing that and I think this is the part that I'm struggling with and we'll see if it if it resolves is I agree with that point, which is a lot of the conflicts that really, really have interested me historically in, in StarCraft two and StarCraft uh, one don't exist really here. Like everybody, you know, they, like Kerrigan will show up and they're like, ah, I'll kill you, Kerrigan. And Kerrigan's like, no, don't worry about it. We're all cool. And they're like, yeah, okay, we're cool. It's fine. Oh man, have they overdone the heel turns with Kerrigan. Yeah. Like that, that, that shit, that, that is so played out at this point with like, like she shows up in this game and she's back on the side of of the angels if she ever even really left in, in heart of the swarm but it's just it's one of those things where it was so much more interesting back in like the brood war days yeah where you had this sense that like oh no Kerrigan, we got to save her and, and, and turn her back and and sort of you know the way her character left off in brood war kind of embracing the new identity that was a really cool turn mm-hmm. but i think it's uh, throughout this campaign in starcraft 2 throughout these stories blizzard keeps trying to do all these like little take backs to sort of retcons yeah mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's 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 a little frustrating and I, and I feel like that kind of diminishes a lot of the personal stakes in, oh uh, yeah in well Legacy. yeah the rainer thing is the biggest record of all because in brood war he's like he has this great line this great like little monologue that's like uh one of these days kerrigan i'm gonna kill you and uh it's just gonna happen like you're gonna regret all the pain you've caused and then suddenly wings of liberty starts and he's like pining in a bar over kerrigan (laughs) somehow that became a romance and the romance was apparently introduced in the novels between starcraft and starcraft 2 because it was never actually like maybe there was some flirting in StarCraft and Brood War, but there was never actually a romance between Rainer and Kerrigan. So no, there's this line that Tyka says like, "Oh, she's that chick you were shacked up with," and I was like, "Wow, that I don't remember that those missions." In, in Star- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, those would be some fun RTS missions, like the you got to get like your Rainer's couch in the Kerrigan's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then turning it into the romance and the Amon thing, yeah, that really drives me crazy because it's like the least interesting villain and Manx is such a great villain and Duran yes. is such a great villain and neither of them have any presence whatsoever in the entire Legacy of the Void campaign because they're both gone. I guess Minx and Narud or Duran were both killed in the last game. Um, so it's really, really a shame that they sacrifice these compelling characters in favor of this big, bad, mean, void grump. There, there needs to be a, a blanket ban on nihilistic precursor races. <laughs> like just it's mass it, effect it, it, uh yeah it's just they're it's the worst done. villains yep uh, well, i come to end all existence well i guess we should all be on the same side then since existence <laughs> is well, is generally desirable it it, it it's, it's a it's a little bit of a torn thing, you know, in, in one sense, there are moments in the campaign that feel monumentally epic because of the scale of them. Um, but also that's a little, it, it feels, it feels cheap too at the same time, right? Before there was something very cool about having this game that was sort of revolving around, um, you know, this sort of three, this, this impact of three races, you know, in, in this struggle. And at some point somebody said, well, that's not big enough. This needs to be an end of all, you know, the universe sort of thing. And it's like, no, that's almost always the wrong decision. That's almost always just, you know, it, it leads down a whole melodrama that doesn't have any kind of connectivity, um, which is it's so. And, and I agree, that's like my biggest 
complaint about this campaign. But at the same time, I also don't want to be, you know, kind of turning on his head. I'm, I am still really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the mission structure. Mm. I really am enjoying some of the, you know, the kind of uh, the, 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 the locations and, and kind of going into these, um, you know, spaces that at, at once are very familiar and sometimes feel very new. You know, it's just I, I'm I'm having fun from a just am I enjoying playing the game perspective from a narrative satisfaction perspective? No, it's not there. Yeah, the mission design. Yeah, all that all that complaints about the story aside, the mission design is killer. There's yeah. some really great like gimmicks that they use in uh, the campaign missions. Oh, just just from the first, like the the game opens with this assault on ire, and talk about like making the fantasy real. Like it totally feels like you you now command this completely badass Protoss army. You are wait, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the gloves are off. You have all the tools. There's motherships flying overhead. You know, there's <laughs> carriers, you know, you know, carriers sending interceptors. It's kind of an amazing tableau that you're, you're doing these missions uh, in the middle of. I, I think so. I kind of ruined it for myself a little bit in that recently I went back and I played Wings of Liberty. Okay. And so I think compared to that campaign, every campaign's going to come up a little short for me because I think that was probably the best they've ever done with with sort of RTS missions uh, and having sort of the, the campaign sort of change based on your, your choices was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I think the missions aren't quite as good as sort of the highest highs of, of Wings of Liberty, but by and, jar- by and large, I'm enjoying... Uh, the hell out of every single one of these missions. There's there's usually a a you know cool objective and a little bit of tension within it. Like this is like the the basic mission structure is usually uh, you're primarily on the defensive but need to be doing some kind of offensive activity mm-hmm. or, or or vice vice versa. Uh, but each mission is is pretty cool. The issue I've had is that uh, you know I was playing for review, so eventually I just had to start. I, I had to put the hammer down and start pawing through the campaign. Uh, and so I ended up switching to normal, which is just ridiculously easy. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they can't give you enough handicaps. Basically, they're like, you know, what if what if your your uh, gateways uh, what what if, what if your gateways could warp in three units uh, at once <laughs> instead instead of just one at a time? Wouldn't that be good? And I'm like, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's useful. Is that uh, a normal and, thing? Is that only when you're on normal difficulty it does that? Y- yeah. Oh, yeah. I was wondering about that. No, I when, I, when for... I flipped to hard, yeah. suddenly I was having production bottlenecks. Uh, Interesting. It, okay. Yeah, so it, it's kind of a really hard spike between normal and hard. On hard, they basically make you play honestly, uh, and you lose the improved warp gates. Uh, and then the enemies are a lot more numerous. Right. And right. so, you know, you, you've got two things happening. One, you've lost your ability to sort of crank out units. And two, there's a lot more enemies. So there's this huge there's this huge cliff uh, between the difficulties that's that's a little bit frustrating. I wish there was something maybe a little bit between um, the mode where you can just sort of breeze through on the first try and the mode mm-hmm. where you're going to have to replay each mission like two or three times before you really sort of it- click uh, mm-hmm. Click with the challenge, but by and large, I've I've really been enjoying the the overall mission structure and playing on hard uh, has been has been really satisfying. Yep, it helps that you can uh, just summon reinforcements and use your your ship to uh, blast people away from oh, the, the spear of a dune. Mm-hmm. The spear it's of a dune. Cool. I, I I I love it. I I I really. I like the way it adds that sort of upgrade component and, you know, the, 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 the little special abilities, but it, like the way they've modeled it, having these sort of 
um, systems that come online and each system has three things it does. I remember in, you know, Heart of the Swarm, of course, it was sort of Kerrigan's abilities upgrade and you picked one of two, which I felt, I, I guess I don't feel as sort of tied in and kind of, uh, I've really felt like that was linear and just didn't have a lot of interesting decisions and kind of ways you could come you know, combine things in that path that, that I'm feeling this has a lot more of, you know, that's mm. it, it. There's a, for me, at least there's sort of that real, um, you know, attention between, okay, do I want, you know, to bring in the pylon that, you know, just automatically appears and warps in four guys with it? Or do I want, you know, this ability that, you know, mitigates damage or this ability over here that, you know, has this, you know, the Lance attack versus, the, you know, it's just, it's kind of fun. It's kind of cool. I, I feel like it's a deeper thing. Also, when it's matched up with the different types of the different unit types in, yes. that are in the game, you know, am I going to pick a stalker? Am I going to pick a dragoon? Mm. You know, am I going to pick this over here? Because they, the, the ability, every time I opened up a new one of those areas and looked at the alternatives, it was like, Oh, that ability sounds amazing. How, how do I pick between these two? Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's going to make me want to replay the campaign, even though yeah, totally. the story is just totally not like skipping all the cutscenes and, and dialogue. Just going through everything over again to see what what you can do differently. Yeah, I I really think the um, I love how many different versions of units there are in mm -hmm. the campaign, and uh, I think that's one thing that that sort of jumped out at me with the with this game overall because you see a lot of these units pop up in the co op mode uh, as well. But what what's cool is that I I feel like a lot of times like. Multiplayer unit design has to be conservative, you know, by nature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, but in the single player, they can just be like, you know what? No. Like, well, you know, what would be awesome here? Like, what, you know, not, not what's balanced, but like, what would be an awesome thing that a Protoss like super unit could do? They and brought so back Reavers. Did you guys get Reavers yeah. yet? Uh, I haven't used Reavers. I, I've, been, I've been having fun with the Dark Archon uh, oh, yeah. and the Corsair, mm -hmm. uh, my, my old friends from Brood War. Yep. 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 Man, it's bringing bringing me back to the to the old days, to the '90s, the golden '90s. <laughs> when gaming was good, when when video games weren't shit. <laughs> oh no! Uh, <laughs> no! <laughs> no, that's a joke. Video games are still awesome. But but it is neat how you can basically create these different rosters uh, for yes. your, for your army uh, for each mission, and that I'm, I'm I'm with you, Jason. Like I kind of want to replay the campaign. And sort of screw around with different um, types of types of Protoss armies because eventually, because every unit basically has three variations. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know you can you can in fact like you can basically roll with stalkers or dragoons or adepts, for instance. Uh, that that's up to you because that sort of choice is happening at each tier. Uh, you can really sort of min-max your entire army based around, like, how what kind of army you want to play. Like, do you want to be, like, really tanky? Uh, do you want to be sort of more assassin-based? It's it's kind of cool. Like, my my uh, my uh, my Protoss army, my preferred style, apparently, is, like, massive amounts of, like, stuns and crowd control. And then just sort of clean house on the back of that. Uh, so my units aren't particularly special, but they initiate like crazy. Uh, but I could also change it to be like running around with tons of stealth units and using mind control and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, it's 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 really neat. It's something that uh, you know now I kind of wish were, was in all the earlier games. But I'm really enjoying that aspect. Mm. Yeah, I wish that they would remake. Here's a free idea, Blizzard: remake the entire StarCraft One and Brood War campaign in the StarCraft Two map editor, and then sell that for like I don't know, thirty bucks, forty bucks, God. whatever. 
Yeah, I would buy that. That's, totally. <laughs> I would definitely buy that. So related to the, the single player, in terms of like cool things that, that are on tap here, uh, when they said they were doing co-op missions, I rolled my eyes because yep. it sounded to me like the most tied in, unnecessary crap. Like, oh, I can, I <laughs> bet you I know what those co-op missions are going to be. Uh-huh. They're going to be trash. Uh, I love them. Yeah, they're, they're great. Awesome. They're awesome. They are really fun. Unexpected delight. I mean, you know, the thing I like, and I think it's something we mentioned before about some of the, one of the cool components of campaign missions is how sort of multifaceted they are. You know, there are multiple things going on at once that are pulling you in very, very different directions. Um, you know, all the more so because there are two of you and it's, you know, it, the, the, the stakes are higher, the difficulties higher. So at any given moment, you may be trying to figure out, okay, I know I need to go attack this thing over here. I also want to protect this secondary goal over here, but we also have a, you know, attack incoming from the South. And so so you partner, your job is to kind of set up defenses on the south. I'll go get the primary objective and we'll try and figure out how to secure the secondary thing. Like, like it's a constant kind of changing and, and, and fluid battlefield that is super, super fun. And and all the more so, you know, just because it's because it's co-op, you're probably playing with somebody who you know, is, is your friend, hopefully, I, you know, I, hopefully that's working. They out may not for be you. your friend when you're done. They <laughs> might not because they, they, they sure could have done a better job, but, uh, but I mean, it just adding that layer, like just co-op by itself on a crappy map, you know, it, it might've been fun enough a few times just to hang out with a friend, but you know, this, this has actually got a lot of things you can think about and things you can do in different ways to approach it. And there's the whole leveling system for your hero. And, and like, I, I love it. I love mm. co-op in this game. Yeah, the leveling system is great because it makes it, it that just that just having that there makes it feel like you're making progress in a way that I know frustrates. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the things that frustrates a lot of people about multiplayer in StarCraft is that you can play for hours and hours and still not know if you're getting any better. Um, like without if you if you're not looking things up and looking up strategies and learning how to do macro properly et cetera et cetera then there's no actual natural sense of progression the way there is in uh uh the dreaded mobas <laughs> I, yeah. i'll be i'll be the first one to compare to to bite the bullet and compare starcraft to mobas but um but the way they do it for for uh allied commanders is really smart the co-op mode is really smart and it makes it feel like no matter how good you are or like uh, as long as you're playing you're making you're getting this experience for your for your character and leveling up and you're going to get unlock more stuff and be able to play on harder difficulties it's very cool um i do wish there were more missions though i assume they're going to add some that feels like something yeah they've definitely talked about i mean this is so when they've talked about it at at, at blizzcon and in interviews what starcraft looks like moving forward there's definitely been conversation about we're going to do have more co-op missions we're going to offer more commanders like this is great at least in the short term seems like a central longevity strategy for people that's really smart yeah i can see myself playing that like for a while to come yeah, you know, it's it's kind of ironic that um remember years and years ago that 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 streamer uh Destiny um mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Bunnell he posted a rant about like all the things that Blizzard were were doing wrong with with StarCraft 2 mm-hmm. and like the the focus on like super hardcore competitive stuff was completely misplaced because that's not actually what people had fun doing and you needed to offer stuff to 
people who just kind of want to have fun with an RTS. Mm-hmm. And the dude got shouted down. But I think what's kind of ironic is by the time you reach Legacy of the Void, it kind of seems like Blizzard have basically like <laughs> like waved the white flag on a lot of those points. Mm-hmm. Like Legacy of the Void, yeah, there, there's still a lot of competitive multiplayer aspects to it, and we'll get into those in a minute. But it feels like multiplayer's gone from being like the star attraction to being like one third of a one third slice of the pie, basically, of, of what StarCraft II is at this point. Mm. And I think that's probably really healthy because it's, I know for a fact, like it's going to be a lot more, e- a lot easier and probably more fun to round up friends to play co op missions than it is to be like, hey, do you want to go play 1v1s or 2v2s <laughs> on, you know, or, or go ladder together? Mm. I don't think that's really in the cards for most people, but like, Hey, you want to, you know, grind our heroes on some co-op missions and like crank the difficulty up and, you know, play some Alamo missions? Hell yeah, I'll, uh, I'm totally on board. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, but and I also think Archon mode is a good addition for that very reason because it makes it, it makes the game feel more accessible in a way it wasn't before. Uh, Archon mode for for people who aren't listening is where two people control a single team, so you can have one person focusing on resources and expanding, and another person focuses on the army or some divvy of labor like that, or you can do it any way you want. Um, and that, I think, is a really good way for new players to learn by playing alongside more skilled players. And it's the type of thing you can do casually. I, what I like about it is it sort of offers three kind of variations on the theme of how do you play together and like mm. gives you a lot of options. That's just where where just last time there was only one. There was really only one. You played, you know, 2v2, 1v1, whatever. And each of these, I mean, I think the thing I like about it is each one sort of feeds well into what the other one doesn't have, you know. So if you really have, you know... That, that sense of we really want to play together, but we want to kind of keep it competitive and, and you know, have the potential to play other players. Then there's this Archon mode option or, you know, I want to help my friend get used to StarCraft or whatever. Or, hey, we want to play together, but we just want to have a really cool AI experience instead of just having to fire up like a 2v2 against whatever difficulty AI. There's the co-op option. And if you just want to get competitive about it, if you just want to go out there and, and test your metal again directly against other players, you know, there's the traditional option. And that's that's it's so cool to have those different kind of directions and possibilities and ways to decide what do I feel like tonight? You know what I feel like? I feel like a good, you know, like a comp stop, but I really want it to be kind of a cool one. So there you go. You got a thing that, that does that now. Hmm. Yeah. I'm, I, I like the idea of Archon mode. I'm just, I think not sold on how much of a, I'm going to, I'm going to be very curious to see how much it really catches on. Uh, because I've certainly had problems like rounding up people to play multiplayer. And, and when I do, they're kind of more interested in the co-op side of things mm-hmm. rather than Archon. Because I think Archon is it's, it's still a multiplayer StarCraft. It's less, it's less lonely. Um, it, it's less of a so, solo feeling of failure and futility uh, than like laddering is. But, you know, at the same time, like it's a hard game. And with two people, it can still be a hard game, just a, a little more... Uh, a little more sociable, but I'm 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 not certain it's gonna. I'm not certain that, like if if you if you weren't on board with with StarCraft multiplayer, I'm not sure Archon mode is 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 going to get you. Uh, but but I'm curious if if you guys feel differently. 
Um, I don't know. I, I've talked to Kirk Hamilton, my coworker, about this, and although I still haven't been able to drag him into it, he's expressed more interest in Archon mode than he ever has in playing multiplayer because he finds multiplayer really intimidating. He hasn't played it before. Um, he doesn't really know what to do. Uh, this, uh, that same sort of like StarCraft multiplayer and newbie experience that most people have where like you go in and like you're clicking on things and you feel like you're doing well and then suddenly you get swarmed by the enemy who knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, and that I think, I, I don't know, I think explaining to someone like that, like I've explained to him what Arkham Mode is and he seems really interested by the idea that he could kind of like sit back and we could talk to each other on Skype while we play and I can tell him, hey, I'm doing this, you should do this or like you need to make sure you have hockey's here so you can focus on this and do this at the same time as you do this uh, it feels like a good way to walk people through it yeah um yeah i think the, the 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 problem is as i see it that the situations where archon mode is the right option is a really good option are relatively limited you know that there's 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 some conditions under which it's like oh yeah this is exactly the the role archon mode fills but outside of that it doesn't it doesn't feel like it would fit nearly as well it doesn't i don't see a competitive component i know there have been like some show matches and those have been kind of fun to watch but <laughs> it doesn't seem like anything that's definitely going to stick around or become a you know a, a, you know a parallel path for for professional starcraft 2 players to go after so it really is these it's it's sort of these limited use cases um that i don't think co-op suffers from like co-op is just is, is clearly it's just its sort of own identified thing and there aren't you know there are a lot of use cases for it and multiplayer i mean it's just traditional multiplayer ha is is well established when as we turn to multiplayer i i, I do kind of want to talk about uh the fact that you know so here's the thing i think in retrospect Heart of the Swarm ended up kind of being a dud in terms of like positive impact on the game. Uh, you know, I, I was someone who defended the Swarm host for a long time. I was like, what a cool idea, a Zerg unit that pumps out endless units. That's awesome. Uh, and I think thematically it is is a cool idea. But, you know, if you look at sort of peak Swarm host, uh, that unit and a couple other things, I think basically killed competitive StarCraft for the better part of a year. Mm. Um, and I, I just think like a lot of the changes in, uh, a lot of the changes in heart of the swarm, I, I just, I don't think they were, they were that fun. They ended up playing the part more of like, here's some more hard counters that can exist, uh, that will kind of be, uh, uh, like will will force really, uh, you know, almost like mandatory responses. Like if a, if a tempest shows up, basically, which is this this aerial Protoss siege unit, uh, you're basically screwed unless you have an air force that can counter it. Like that can sort of fly in, knock them out, and and, and get out. But if you, if you're basically a ground army, uh, if you're if you're a little bit slow, uh, you know, the tempest is basically going to slowly pick you apart. It's going to end your and end whatever hope of turtling you had. Uh, there were a lot of units that sort of played this role in uh, in Heart of the Swarm, and I I kind of feel like with Legacy of the Void, I, I I'm of I'm 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 of two minds. Uh, for me, the the focus now seems to be that there's units that have really interesting abilities and powers, uh, but they really only pay off if you're really good at micro play, which means basically these are some new units that I think are primarily there for for people who are pretty serious about the multiplayer and, and pretty good at executing on you know the the micro level of, of starcraft play 
Uh, and there's not an absolute ton of like there's not an absolute ton for people I think who are who are sort of at the uh, you know the middling to low end end of the skill the skill spectrum. Uh, like you know just you know being completely honest with you, two units that were complete duds for me were the disruptor and the ravager. Um, I could not really get much out of them at all. They ended up just kind of sort of sitting there in my in my options menu, but I uh, but I almost never you know called their number because. Uh, you know, when I'd be trying to use those, basically that means I'm ignoring the rest of my army and it's getting picked <laughs> apart. Yeah. Uh, it, the, the things that I really got use out of were, uh, you know, things that were maybe a little more augmenting my my kind of clumsy playstyle, right? So, like, you know, the Terran Liberator was perfect for me because mm-hmm. uh, that's yep. just an easy way to sort of, like, secure territory. <laughs> yep. And, like, you fight under the Liberator uh, and you're going to be golden. Uh, but so it, it's it, also it, a little overpowered at the moment. It's, it's perfect. It's Liberator strong. is beautiful bird. Just a little overpowered. <laughs> you leave it, could it alone. Be toned, it could be toned down a little. No, no, I think you're wrong. I think you guys just need to learn how to counter it. So what do you guys? Uh, what do you guys think of uh, the the macro changes they made? Oh, thank God. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? I mean, I I didn't think they were gonna go and well. So at first they remo- removed mules and that that. They did a 180 on pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but the Chrono Boost uh, changes, I really like. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, the, the, even the fundamental way that the, the, the pace of a Legacy of the Void multiplayer game is just so incredibly different. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. From, from the word go, it is, you know, it's, and it's interesting because those macro changes, I think more than the unit additions, are what has given, the, the the multiplayer scene you know for individuals or or at the professional level a real makeover and introduce new kinds of interesting situations and decisions expand you know timings of expansions and and build orders and everything that everybody got really really used to they they just you've had to fundamentally reevaluate them and that's kind of that's kind of cool i think it's great. I mean, those games, like, starting off with six workers and, like, having to mm-hmm. just sit there and watch and, like, like pros would literally just click around the screen because they wanted to boost their APM and there was yeah. nothing else to do. <laughs> um, that was ridiculous. And it's great that they've changed that. Like, matches just feel so much more accessible and so so much faster now. I, yeah. and I don't know how it's working at, at the high end. I'm really going to be curious to tune in to watch. Um, I think DreamHack is actually doing a Legacy of the Void tournament next weekend. Uh, so I'm curious as to what's happening at the pro level because, sort of, first glance, it feels like more builds are viable because mm-hmm. the game opens up into the mid game much faster. So, and I don't, I don't mind that. Like, no, I like wh- that. Yeah, I, yeah. Like I sort of felt like a lot of times you couldn't experiment that much with, with with certain builds. Like one reason you didn't see a lot of units built wasn't just that they weren't the most efficient things in the world. So you, like. You know, if battle if someone gets battle cruisers, it's because somebody screwed up, right? Like you didn't, you didn't apply enough pressure. Like if someone yeah. brings out the carrier, they're basically just screwing around with you and, and, and trolling. But I think one other reason you never saw those units brought out is because there was such a long ramp up into the late game tech that at each point you were sort of forced into these really prescribed choices. Like, okay, so what's your early game strategy? What what are the what's your composition going to be uh, for, for your army in the early game? Okay, now you're in the mid game. Uh, what, you know, 
you also have a very limited menu of choices that are really viable at this stage of the game. And then by the time late game rolls around, you're kind of locked in by all the stuff that came before. It's very hard mm-hmm. to sort of switch right. into different techs and different strategies because at that point you're you're already deeply invested probably in another type of army that you have to slowly like augment or, or evolve out of. It's hard to make those changes. Here... You can theoretically be rolling out like a Protoss carrier air force, uh, you know, just just a few minutes into the match, which maybe is a little silly, but at the same time, it, it creates these the possibility for sort of these like flea flicker like plays that you wouldn't <laughs> see in old school StarCraft because there was never time for them to uh, unfold. Yeah, I saw someone go three expansion or well, an expansion and then a second expansion super quickly, like within the first two minutes, which I thought was uh, interesting. And yeah, it definitely feels like people are doing more interesting things, more creative things. Although someone did try to cannon rush me uh, the other day, which I thought was dumb. <laughs> uh, an old classic, the yeah. old standby. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think you can cannon rush the the, the main anymore, but uh, maybe the no. Well, I'm sorry. What well, so saying? they stuck. Well, so so they tried to sneak into my expansion. It was one of the ma- the maps where like your expansion is kind of in the natural position, and there's one entrance to get into both. And he hid mm-hmm. his probe in like the crevices of my natural expansion and like started building out. But I found him pretty easily. <laughs> it was pretty silly. <laughs> um, so I was gonna say, let me ask you guys something. So one of the things that I love watching StarCraft, um, but one of the things that I think is uh, kind of a problem for just the competitive StarCraft scene in general, and this is really a broader esports problem, is that like I don't really have any sense of when the biggest matches are, when the best matches are, when the coolest matches are, um, in the way that like every Sunday I know I'm going to go sit down and watch football for a while. And I don't think that there is the same sort of consistency maybe i'm just not aware of it and i have to do more research on my own but the only times i'm tuning into a starcraft match is when i see on twitter like someone like rob or or uh anyone else on my feed being like oh my god i'm watching this killer match right now you guys have to tune in um do you guys think that's a problem so this is where i'm gonna throw a shout out to my other podcast uh esports today because that's actually one reason we created the podcast we wanted to Keep people abreast of what's happening. And here's the irony. I think the last few months of, of Heart of the Swarm were, were probably really fantastic competitively. Like, they were a lot of fun. There was a lot going on. But I think the real issue that, that I see is that um, the, the best tournaments we were seeing were, were all Korean. Like, it, it is yep. salad days for StarCraft in Korea. Like, the GSLs this year were fantastic. Uh, Star League was was wonderful. Pro League was even a lot of fun. So there was tons of stuff. If you were someone who was going to be hanging out and, like, waking up at, like, 3.30 mm-hmm. in the morning <laughs> yeah. uh, on the East Coast, I actually was doing that for a little while. So it was, <laughs> it was awesome. Like, my day would start. I'd watch a like, two-hour StarCraft broadcast and then uh, then move on. So that stuff was awesome. Uh, but but the problem is, I think the stuff more accessible to us, and, and Blizzard's tried to respond to that concern. They've tried to create, like, consistent scheduling. Like, here's when WCS is going to be happening. Here's, you know, here's when StarCraft is, is, is going to be on. Uh, it hasn't really taken. When they've been there at their most consistent you you sort of drowned in in the content. So last year there was WCS EU and WCS America, and it was almost endless. There was just always StarCraft matches happening, and none of them were felt that important or, or that epic. Um, so this year they cut back and they merged all the non-Korean territories into one competitive region, 
And that's sort of solved one problem, but created another, uh, which is that how do you get people from, you know, China to the Netherlands all in the same place uh, to, to play their groups, uh, to, you know, to, to, to play their bracket? And the answer is you, you sort of shotgun it all into the same weekend. Um, and then, of course, there's there's the undeniable fact that I don't think the, the, the non-Korean StarCraft scene has been in a brilliant place Uh for a while, I, I, it, like the the level of play is d- noticeably diminished. You know, uh, the the other thing is, I don't I don't know. There's, and again, I don't think this is as much a problem if you're following the Korean scene a lot more closely. But outside of the Korean scene, if you find you know a European or American player that you just really like and are interested in, for the most part, like you you know they're going to lose eventually. You know to to. Uh, you know, just kind of the foreigner syndrome there. Um, but there's also like, there's not a lot of player durability, or at least it doesn't feel like that to me outside of the Korean scene. So you find somebody you're interested in, chances are in a year or two um, or less, uh, they're not going to be playing as many games and they're not going to be out there and, you know, and as often as you'd want because, and somebody else will show up and, you know, take their place. You know, there there are obviously exceptions. You know, you have it like a, um, God, a TLO's. No, see, this point no, it's pretty it's, bad. Yeah, TLO's actually been really consistent. He's he's yeah. remained good, but but I was trying to think of other. I mean, Huck's still out there. I think isn't he? Yeah, but he's not competing very well. Right, at he's all. not competing. Yeah, so I mean, unless you like to your point, it's not just the games component. Like I can't watch the games unless I'm on a certain time schedule. But it's also as like a fan of the individuals, player fan component. That's pretty bad outside of the Korean scene too. Mm. Yeah, and Rob, you also you mentioned stakes before, and I think that's something that uh, I think to a more casual viewer is really lost. Like, there's no, it's very difficult to tell with all these tournaments, with all these acronyms and DreamHack and ESL and the StarCraft WCS and whatever. It's hard to tell which ones matter the most and what the kind of like equivalent of the NFL playoffs or the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is for StarCraft. Right. Yeah, did you did you catch uh, the the BlizzCon tournament this year? Mm-hmm. I did not know. Yeah, okay. I, I caught a, I caught a good bit of it. Yeah, okay. And that yeah. that 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 does feel like that to me is the playoff season. Like that's the that's the one I I know when to predict it. I know it's going to be on my time schedule. I know it's going to be that's that's the one that sort of most matches um, the kind of thing that I'm looking for. And I'm you know I'm, I'm hopeful DreamHack will too. But I I just I, I don't get up and watch, you know, GSL in the morning. And I don't really find myself seeking out like the videos on demand after the fact either. Yeah, that's and, and that's that's a problem because like, yeah, the, the best StarCraft yep. uh, that's around is kind of inaccessible to people. And yeah, it is. It's a hard thing to go seek out a, via, uh, a video on demand, uh, a replay, basically, because like. You know, it's the difference between watching live sports and watching them, you know, a day later on like yeah. NFL re- Rewind or something. Yeah. Like, chances are you've heard the results or it, it just feels different. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to maintain that level of excitement. Uh-huh. Uh, that said, though, I actually watched a lot of a lot of uh, Korean v- VODs this year. And, like, it, it's easy to follow things spoiler-free via uh, sc2casts.com. Uh, yeah, uh, so they do a lot of spoiler-free stuff. So that's actually a really good place to sort of go and just sort of get caught up without necessarily being spoiled on results. Uh, so you can sort of catch stuff a, a day or two later. And, and so that's fun. But, 
yeah, it, I, I think StarCraft Two had a problem, and I think this goes back to sort of its its origins as an esport. It arrives at this moment when live streaming is really taking off, and uh, suddenly the easiest thing in the world is to put on a StarCraft tournament, so everyone does it. Uh, and it probably got oversaturated a little bit, and now it's been contracting, but it's sort of lost the excitement, so you don't have that sense of, oh man, we're all watching StarCraft this weekend. You know, the way you used to be, like, when an MLG was happening, or, yeah. you know, a, a major dream hack was happening. Now it's kind of like people aren't really talking about it as much, so it has become harder to follow. Um, you know, at this point... I'd probably lose track of it, except I'm going to like Liquipedia.net every day to to you know catch up on what's happening in esports. But I think it's I think that is I'm always surprised how many people have trouble following StarCraft because you know at this point I have sort of learned how to follow it. Mm-hmm. But it's amazing how it's amazing how many people like don't know about <laughs> like stuff like Liquipedia, right? Yeah. And that's kind of. It's kind of a breathtaking that esports does as well as it does, uh, given how generally awful it is at sort of onboarding people uh, to the, to the pro scene. Yeah, you know, there, it, it's interesting because there was there was sort of that heyday there where you know people think people would talk about things like barcraft, like you know mm-hmm. this that 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 social component of it, but that sets an expectation that. You know, that, that sets sort of a, a casual expectation of just how accessible and how easy it's going to be to find something and get people together and, and congregate for this thing. And to your point, Rob, like the, the, the scene just doesn't support that kind of approach anymore. I don't I, I don't think. So what is the solution <laughs> to all these problems? I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think the time for when a solution would have worked to address that problem for StarCraft is uh-huh. probably come and gone. I'm not sure the answer lies in the StarCraft. I think it, it lies in either some other or some future esports uh, community that builds a very centralized sort of league. Like the problem is the the reason everybody knows when to turn into tune into the NFL is because there is no longer nobody cares about arena football and nobody cares right. there is no XFL and there is no all these other things that are competing with that. Um, so until like, uh, you know, I think this is one of the things that Dota too, or does really interesting because everybody knows to tune into the international, right? That is the yes. Super Bowl for Dota 2. And that sort of kind of structure is kind of what I think needs to be in place to support the kind of thing we're talking about. It's interesting you mentioned that because this weekend there's the, the Dota major, which is definitely like uh, Valve's attempt to sort of create... Uh, now there's an international every season, uh, basically, and uh, so I think that there is a lot to be said for that sort of that that sort of like tentpole approach. And it's interesting because now uh, there's there's one parent company that owns ESL and DreamHack, uh, so you might actually see some fruitful yeah. consolidation happening sure. uh, that that could address some of that. But here here's the other thing. I'm not, like it's easy to get doom and gloom about StarCraft, but I'm not so sure because here's the thing, um, StarCraft stopped dying like it really did like if you look at viewer numbers and like level of engagement with starcraft um even before legacy of the void came out like the decline had basically stopped uh there's there there is an audience for starcraft that audience tends to show up you know to to a lot of the events so you know it may only be like the same you know thirty thousand people watching a final uh you know each week uh and 
it may only be the same 100,000, 150,000 people, you know, watching the world championship every year, but that audience hasn't gone away. Like the, the contraction of Starcraft has, has kind of stopped. So I think it's, it's really just a, just a, a case of finding a good equilibrium for Starcraft that doesn't feel like it's in these sort of sadly reduced circumstances. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I want I want to make sure that what I'm saying isn't because I'm not on the doom and gloom for StarCraft train. I am saying I don't think it'll I don't think it's going to be the kind of um, the every man's esport of, you know, for 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 everyone. And I, you, you get what I'm saying. That was a bad sentence. But the, the core of it is the idea <laughs> that um, it, it's not going to be the everyman game. It's going to be the StarCraft fan game. And there are a ton of those. And, you know, Legacy of the Void obviously adds something to it. But I'm, I'm not picturing we're six months or a year or two years or three years from not having a, a decent StarCraft to multiplayer esports scene. Um, I don't think it's going to grow dramatically at any point i don't think it's going to see some sort of second resurgence and jump up to league of legends numbers or anything like that but who cares about that like it's not a competition for you know who can who can put the most butts in seats right if if you have a really i would rather have a much healthy and steady and consistent scene of a regular kind of a medium size that figures out how to kind of sustain itself over time and isn't just hemorrhaging money the way uh, it used to be um, than just sort of out of control. Nobody knows what anybody else is doing kind of, you know, reckless growth scene. Mm. Yeah. It's actually, I think it's kind of unusual that uh, League of Legends and Dota and uh, MOBAs like that have uh, surpassed Starcraft in terms of uh, esports because Starcraft, I think, from an observer's perspective, is so much more interesting to oh watch. God, yeah, I was I was I just watching totally the the Dota major in uh, in Frankfurt this this weekend, and it was a lot of fun. And there was actually an amazing story unfolding at the Dota major, uh, which is that this team that ended up in the lower bracket uh, from basically the start of the tournament ended up winning the entire damn thing, uh, which just doesn't happen. Like the, the, the that's just an impossible. Like you know Hoosiers ask story, uh, but yeah, it's it's still a very hard game to follow unless you play a lot of Dota. But a lot of people do play Dota, so it has it sort of has that built in audience. What's interesting is about StarCraft is that I sort of thought it would survive on as sort of a spectator esport, like you didn't necessarily play it that much, but you certainly watched it because it's eminently watchable. Yes. Uh, but that's not how things have turned out. It's 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 a very strange thing. Like the, you don't have any analog in esports to football. Nobody plays football. A very few people have ever played it competitively in their lives, right? Like, uh, you know, I had like a few games basically as you know in high school. That that was it. That was that was my time. But everyone. <laughs> it's funny football. you say that because I played football this morning. Uh, t- touch football. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh... <laughs> Right, but, but like, but you get the point, though, right? Like, touch football, right? It's foot, not, isn't, isn't right? It's game. not the same thing at all. No, of course, yeah. So it's it, it's interesting that you know in in esports, like the the level of participation is kind of indelibly tied to the popularity of the game. Uh, but but I think there's I think there's cause to, to maybe hope that participation is going to go up with with Legacy of the Void, because mm. uh, honestly, like, 
You know, it was interesting. I, like sort of the 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 introduction to my StarCraft review that was rejected by my editor was <laughs> was talking about my Stockholm syndrome with StarCraft 2. <laughs> Cuz back in 2010, I didn't actually care for that this game that much. Like if you go back and listen to our reaction to StarCraft 2 uh when it came out and Tom Check was there, um we all kind of just thought it was kind of an old-fashioned uh, you know, throwback RTS. We didn't really like it. And at this point, you know, six years later, like, it's still the same game, but it's just been around so long, and I've been enjoying the competitive scene so long, that, like, I sort of look at StarCraft Two, you know, kind of indulgently at this point, right? Like, sort of tousling its hair, like, hey, hi, you're back. Oh, it's good to see you again. <laughs> yep, still, still a really difficult, hard-to-play RTS. Isn't that wonderful? It's so good well, to see you back looking in good health. Well, the context has changed, too. I mean, it's not like we have a whole bunch of other... Op- I mean, it's just, it, in, in some ways, playing Legacy of the Void and having it open up and having it be this dense, feature-rich RTS, really well-refined, is like, oh, God, I remember when this happened more than once every two years that I would find, you know, it's honestly, it's been since Grey Goo that... Yeah. That, that there's been a really solid, healthy, full RTS release. And, it, it, it you know, it gets a lot easier to love the grumpy old man when he's the only person in the cell with you now. You know, it's like, <laughs> yep. it's like we're, well, we're together. I guess we better make this work. Yeah. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit sort of, sort of about the multiplayer just because, like, I, I think it's funny it, it just... I'm having more fun with StarCraft now. Uh, and I think part of it as well is that I've basically given up on ladder play. Like, I just, I don't want to do it. I don't, yeah. like, I don't like laddering. And I've accepted that about myself because I'm really bad at it. Mm-hmm. I'm really crap at laddering. But I enjoy multiplayer. Uh, but I'm just more comfortable now with being complete garbage at StarCraft with no hope of redemption. Like, <laughs> I'm not like, man, this year, this is going to be my year. I'm, re- I'm going to get to Diamond this year. This is, I'm really going to do it this time. No, I'm not going to get to Diamond. I got, I got stuff to do. But I'm going to have fun with StarCraft. And so, like, I, I'm having more fun just sort of playing at the scrub level and then sort of treating these units more as toys, right? Like I'm not super like I'm I'm still I still I'm still not sure, for instance, that the the changes to the carrier are going to save the carrier. I'm really curious if this gets a like real competitive play. But I know that I'm suddenly using it a lot because actually at my level, it actually has a role to play. Like I'm sort of using them as these weird like you know, they can they can release all their interceptors to sort of just harass an area to death for a while while the carrier flies off. I found that hugely effective. It's it's a fun it's a fun toy. It's it's cool to be able to sort of build a stealth battle battlecruiser fleet and then jump it across the map on top of someone and seeing them just like completely implode. Like because like really what are you going to do when like four battlecruisers just show up and you didn't know they were out there? Uh so I don't know. It's I'm I'm having a lot of fun with, you know, the 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 changes to the to the changes to this game. And I guess I'm a little less concerned about how they work in that competitive uh that that competitive setting. So when you say you're not interested in laddering anymore, when you play multiplayer, do you just do the yeah. unranked unranked? Yep. Okay. Is that fun? Like I have no I've never tried I have only ever tried ranked and I'm in the same place where I just don't want to. I don't I, I I did a couple of my like your placement matches and and I was just like oh no it's 
I, I don't want to do this because I'm immediately in that mindset of where am I going to rank and how am I going to, you know, what's my league going to be and how am I going to, you know, it, it just, I, there's too much other fun stuff to do, like co-op, like the campaign, you know, like even playing it. I mean, we never really talk about it, but there's tons of just fun goof off. You can spend a day playing with the arcade um, and just never, and never even worry about it again. But it, it's just like this amazingly kind of rich uh, playground area. And, and that's what I've been doing. So, I mean, what's what's the experience like in sort of casual multiplayer? So I don't know enough about how the the matchmaking really works, like which a, is really my question. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because because the thing is, like, okay, my experience playing ladder is generally, uh, the game is always trying to sort of. It feels like I'm always trying to be matched up with mm-hmm. someone, just sort of, just sort of out of my skill my, my skill level, right? Uh, and so like victories come, but overall. The game's always kind of checking to see, like, hey, have you have you gotten better yet? Are you mm-hmm. are you better at this game now? And the answer, <laughs> is, no, no, I'm not. Like Starcraft, like hold your horses, buddy. Like whatever scrub you matched me with last game, he was really bad, but I didn't actually get better. Like I just I just a moved a bunch of immortals and stalkers at the guy, and and he he died. That was great, uh, but I didn't actually. You shouldn't you shouldn't confuse that with me having done anything. Uh, but but so ladder is I think always sort of trying to match you up and, and and sort of test to see if you're if you're basically ready to advance uh, on, on the ladder. Unranked, maybe it could just be a psychological thing. The fact that I know the game isn't constantly testing me. But unranked, it feels like I'm encountering people who are visibly closer to me in skill. Like I see what they're doing, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, no that that guy can't micro worth a damn." Me either. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Well, so so my problem with playing unranked, and the reason I play ladder, even when I'm playing terribly, um, and I'm currently in silver league, which is a, a decline. In 2010, I when I had nothing, when I had time to just play StarCraft all the time, I was diamond. But now I've just gone so downhill. But anyway, uh, the the reason I wouldn't play unranked is because there's no feeling of progression in a way that you would feel when you're like on a hot streak in ladder yep. or, or and on your way to gold or whatever. So so that that to me feels like almost time wasty ish. Uh oh. Well, so you need that little frisson of like I competition. Think I do. I think I do. I mean, that's why I play Destiny so much because I'm addicted to progression and uh, and that game developer uh, trick of like getting you hooked on a loop of watching your numbers go up. Which is yeah, I agree. Which is why I think if I had the choice, and you don't always have the choice uh, between playing sort of unranked multiplayer or co-op, I would choose co-op. Yeah, not yeah, just yeah, because yeah. of co-op, but because there is that progression. There is that I'm going to advance my my character a little bit. I might get another level, and and that that is that's hugely appealing to me. Now, on the flip side, I won't choose multiplayer ladder because. To Rob's point, there is no progression. Like there is, you you mentioned that winning hot streak, and I kind of went, "What's what, what? What are those?" You know, I don't know. I don't know what that. I mean, I've seen other people do it, but I'm not sure that it's within my capacity as a human to have one of those. Um, so if I'm looking for progression, I'm probably doing something else. But I agree. Actually, I do miss just the fun of one-on-one matches, like just kind of being able to. Uh, just goof off and 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 do that and not feel pressure. So I get that angle of it, but 
Yeah. So I I probably live somewhere in between because I do want a little progression. One of the things that I've noticed in in years of playing StarCraft 2 on and off is that, like, there's a certain hump that you have to get over. And that hump is essentially learning to be making units and spending all your money even while you're doing other things. And once you get the hang of that, you can you just immediately get so much better and can like actually compete and then it becomes a matter of finesse and build orders and strategy and scouting and counters but once you start learning i have to spend all my money i cannot let my money get above a certain threshold then you suddenly like it's like a an on switch is just flipped and like you get so much better at the game yeah and uh and I think that's one thing that the sort of the, the new economy changes have, have actually ended up helping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, be- because everyone's a little poorer, there's not as much there's not as much to keep up with in some ways, right? Like, so I'm spending like I'm spending. It's easy to be spending all my money because like it's very it's it's kind of hard to stay ahead of your production. Uh, whereas it was very easy to get yourself into macro trouble in the old economy because uh, once you were on three bases, like. You know the money the the money spigot was was open all the way, uh, and so it became really very quickly a game about like ramping up your production to sort of match your income while doing stuff on the map. I'm having a lot more games that are being decided, uh, you know, kind of on leaner armies, uh, basically. So it's a little it's a little easier for me to keep a grip on both my 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 finances and my units, uh, but. Yeah, that's that that is the hump and that is something that uh you know for for me I hit the breaking point very early uh still like once once my economy is humming along enough it becomes very difficult for me to remember to keep spawning like new units uh because I'm out there fighting and I feel like oh I need to be focused on this fight and I'm not hot keying my production and queuing up reinforcements I'm completely fixating on like, oh, I really need to kill that one immortal before it walks up the ramp. Like, you know, and so I, you know, I, oh, I, br- I broke the ramp. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to sack the natural and he shows up with another army. And I'm like, oh, man, another army. I should have built one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and once you start, like, because it can happen and, and it will happen if you play enough and like just watch enough people playing. But once you get that over that hump, you will become a way better player. And maybe you can play some ladder and kick some people's yeah. asses. Yeah, but at this point, it's been six years. Like, if I if I were going to get over that hump, I have to assume I would have at least done it back in my thirties at some point. Like, it's probably probably I'm. I, I think at some point you just have to look at it and go, well, yeah, that that one's probably not happening. But yeah. you, no, sure see, did, you sure did give it a try. Join me in unranked and like the sort of the middle aged wiffle ball league. Of, of of starcraft like like let us let us welcome you uh, let, to... just you know what here's a free idea introduce age groups like i have to send some sort of age verification before i can get into the 40 you know it's like put me in put me in like the pg the the old player pga but, you know like it's, just it's, like that but, it, but it's not about age is the funny thing right know, like I my know, apm still suck but <laughs> It turns out if you're if you're only doing like an action every second, but it's the right action, you'll still be fine against a lot of mediocre players who are mm-hmm. doing the wrong action faster. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it's just it's, it really is just more of a getting a handle on the on the problem of playing StarCraft rather than sort of sort of an age thing. Uh, 
Although then having the time to get over that hump is is certainly another issue. Yes. But yeah, I, I just I'm I'm enjoying it as as sort of more of a strategy toy uh, now than I did back when I was a little more serious about it because I'm just kind of at peace with like okay, StarCraft demands a, a set of skills and a way of thinking that is you know kind of beyond me on a consistent basis. So I'm just going to uh, you know I'm I'm going to find find my level of StarCraft and and play around with it. Uh, which it means a lot of sort of you know brute force, <laughs> brute force attacks, uh, a lot of positional play. Like I can, I can totally be a mecking Terran. I can do it now. I love the changes they made to a mech. There's a lot of cool new, cool new options for 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 a Terran player to go to the sort of expensive, tankier uh, mech builds. Uh, but how am I winning those games? Generally, I'm strangling my opponents. I'm not breaking bases. That, that no, that way lies destruction. <laughs> Going up ramps is hard, uh, but like sort of building these huge siege lines, like liberator air cover and like siege tanks and like cyclones to harass. Man, I can do that all day long. So wait, does every every match you play take like forty minutes? It sounds like it. <laughs> no, because no, because thanks to the economy changes, people run out of money. True. Like they got, they, you have to come out of the base. Like that siege line is getting set up. You <laughs> that can't wait that exhausting. out. It's, it's a very exhausting. Picard, like this far, no further. You know, yeah. the attack and we fall back. No more. Draw a line. Rob, no, if I mean... you ever did that to me, I would just like put some <laughs> units in a medevac and just like like attack your mineral lines. Well, and that's why you belong in competitive play. <laughs> you stay out of our, our, our area. <laughs> Yeah, it's no, it's it's total trash, but it's 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 an awful lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, like it, it could, like I said, it could be Stockholm syndrome. It could be like, hey, you know, at this point, StarCraft Two is, is StarCraft Two is the one I'm stuck with. I, I uh, think I think you put it the way like this. This is probably my relatively definitive statement on Legacy of the Void. Um, it just has a bunch of toys in it. Like there are enough toys in the system now that I can easily find some things that I enjoy doing. And I don't have to try to force myself um, to play with the toys I don't like. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool the way they did it. And I think StarCraft right now is trying to be a lot of different things at once. And I guess we'll see if that is a su successful approach. But um, yeah. as someone who's been playing it for since it came out, uh, since Legacy came out, I mean, uh, it works for me. I mean, I love that they have all these different options and I can keep playing them whenever I want to play StarCraft. I can play all these. I can go play co-op. I can go play multiplayer. I can go play more of the single-player missions. And it'll be really fun when they start just adding more and more uh, of those DLC packs, yeah. Yeah, like the Nova stuff, I'm really yeah. interesting with what they're going to with the mission packs and and yeah, like bring me more, you know, MOBA it up, bring me more uh guys I can level in co-op commander abilities, yeah. yeah. I think they're they're talking about Carex, Phase Smith Carex is going to be the next one and it's going to be like maximize Spear of a Dune stuff. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. I want to go play that now. Nice. So. I bet I bet they add Nova as a commander when they do the deal as part point. of the DLC pack. Oh god, at some point. Yeah, I it, absolutely. It wouldn't and, and and I and I want to play that uh, like absolutely. That's these are this is the stuff that'll keep me going. I think of it a little bit like I think of um, Diablo three these days. Like I'll 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 still get like when the new season comes or the new patch comes or they add a bunch of new legendary items or they added Kunai's cube in the last big patch. Like I'll come back and I'll play for a month or two and then I'll probably drift off. But you know 
it, it as long as you keep adding stuff like this stuff that um isn't just hey we've we've updated the ladder exclusively and hope you like these super high you know precision balance changes you know bring me co-op mission bring me mission packs yeah i, I can't get enough of that stuff I have one last question for you guys. If if someone hasn't, if you somehow resisted StarCraft Two or you bounced off it before, uh, do you think Legacy's the game to convert them, or do you think this is just a a pretty good a pretty good sermon for the for the choir to hear? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends why those people resisted yeah, it. Like, if exactly. you just don't like RTSs, and it's not like the game has changed that much. But if you're intimidated because Heart of the Storm <clears throat> seemed to co. Uh, professional uh intense or professional friendly and like intense and complicated and uh too too inaccessible for newcomers then that has certainly changed and also if you resisted starcraft 2 before because there wasn't enough to do that has also changed yeah yeah i think you know it's, it's tricky because while legacy of the void is a standalone product um one of the nice things is that you know having had all three there's a lot there there's some sort of legacy content i can go back to as well i guess i guess i agree i i but i i find it hard to imagine maybe a little more hard to imagine that there are a lot of people out there who didn't pick up the last two um but have have a case where this would be the one that turns them i think i think it's a i think it's yeah i think it's i think it's I think I lean more toward this is probably for StarCraft two players at this point. I can't imagine there's a lot of people who are going to pick up here because the campaign's not going to make much sense to them. Like they, that's it'd not, be actively it, bad. Yeah, it would. It, it would. You know, the the mission structure would be fun. But to your point, like if you're in it for mission structure, go play Wings of Liberty. Um, this is this is equally good, but like the context for it just won't exist. That was that was one of the great things about Wings of Liberty was both that it you know it 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 had its story, its uh, you know, and and you didn't have to take all this sort of referred or retained knowledge. Even if you hadn't played Brood Wars, you could go into that um, and enjoy this awesome mission structure, but also follow what was going on. Can't imagine doing that in Legacy of the Void. So mm. I think one of the things Blizzard needs to do, or probably is doing, is uh, make it clear how much stuff you can get for free. Because right yeah. now you can play all the multi, all the competitive multiplayer as much as you want for free, and Blizzard has not made that very clear. Uh, That's a great point. Because, yeah. because I mean, the, the Starter Edition, as it was called for a while, I believe they're going to change the name um, based on an interview I had with uh, some of the folks over there. But uh, uh, Starter Edition makes you think of, like, something that's, like, limited and, like, only gives you access to a few things. But it's actually, like, the free option is way more in-depth than that. I think you can play unlimited multiplayer, like competitive multiplayer, as much as you want. Uh, you can also access the map editor there's a lot of stuff that's free so that's yeah. one of the things that blizzard could do to get more people into it is that's just make point. that clear if we ever revisit this game uh, on this show uh i think one one thing I, i've always wanted to do is sit down and like really deep dive into what's available on the arcade uh mm. you know the, the various mods and special games like i've always wanted to play starbo uh, which was the mm-hmm. closest we've gotten, really, to someone sort of faithfully trying to recreate the spirit of Brood War mm. uh, in, in StarCraft II. Uh, so, uh, I what think, is yeah, Starbo? What is Starbo? Oh, Starbo was this thing that was damn near caught on. It was it, it got a huge following among like uh, the the competitive community. Uh, it was a pretty it, it was a pretty comprehensive overhaul to StarCraft. 
uh, didn't even use a lot of the StarCraft II units, but basically what it did was um, it just it slowed the game down. It made it much more like Brood War in terms of pacing and like you know unit dynamics. So the difference is like in in StarCraft, if two units run into each other, they start firing, and within probably like five seconds, something is dead. Uh, but if you remember old Brood War uh, like battles could take ages, which meant there was a lot of opportunities to sort of micro and send in reinforcements and things would sort of be happening all over the map because there was a lot of incentive to spread out. Uh, Starbo kind of tried to recreate all of that and, and did so quite successfully, actually. Uh, it was it was really popular for a while, but, you know, without, without it, you know, a competitive game mode without support from Blizzard was sort of doomed to death uh, because it, you know, it, it sort of eventually everyone's going to go back to quote unquote the real game uh but yeah it was it was pretty popular for a while anyway uh yeah that so that does it for uh for legacy of the void and starcraft 2 um you can read sean's work on gamerswithjobs.com and follow him on twitter at elysium gwj uh we'll have a link to jason's review of legacy of the void in the forum post for this episode but you should also follow him on twitter at jason schreier where he's even started curating some of his best stories (laughs) <laughs> one one thing I have to plug is uh, my own podcast, uh, which you can find on iTunes, uh, where podcasts are housed. Uh, it's called Kotaku Split Screen. So you can come and listen to uh, Kirk Hamilton and I just talk about all things video games. And occasionally, maybe once in a while, we might even talk about Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> By once in a while, I mean every single episode. Um, but yeah, come check us out. Awesome. Before we go, I wanted to thank our Patreon backers once again for their contributions. Uh, as, as the Patreon approaches the one-month mark, uh, we're two-thirds of our way to our first milestone. Uh, the support is hugely appreciated, especially by me personally, since uh, this month has been one where I've been unable to work as much, uh, thanks to a minor and extremely annoying foot surgery. Uh, but as always, we're incredibly proud and flattered that so many of you feel this podcast is something worth supporting, and we'll try to keep paying you back with great podcasts. Uh, if you'd like to support Three Moves Ahead, you can do so at patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, anyway, that will do it for this week's episode of Three Moves Ahead, which is produced by Michael Hermes and hosted by the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show or discuss this episode with our community by visiting our website at 3MovesAhead.net. Uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. <laughs>